In today's hybrid work environment, it takes extra effort to help employees feel like they belong. The choice between at-home convenience and in-office interaction can be overwhelming. Today, we're talking with Alice Fournier, CIO of ISS Americas, about making your workspace, no matter where it is, comfortable and valuable. As we think about great leadership too, great leadership in a hybrid world has those elements of understanding when do I need to nudge my team? When do I need them here? And there's tools that help you, right? So a couple of software have tools that help understand how people are connected or not, but there's also a human component. I think as a leader, you need to be really attuned to when people hit that point where you need to get them together. And that's part of, I think, of solid hybrid leadership. Alice Fournier is a CIO of ISS Americas. ISS is a workplace experience and facility management company that improves business performance and enjoyment. In her role as CIO, Alice drives technology-led transformation. She's an experienced leader and she's dedicated to empowering her teams to grow and thrive. Today, she'll share how to foster belonging, equity, and opportunity in the workplace. On Cruising Altitude, we talk about employee experience lessons from leaders at companies with over 30,000 employees. A lot like reaching cruising altitude at 30,000 feet, things look a little different when you're managing 30,000 people. On this podcast, we bring you insights from the leaders who inhabit that rarefied air. Today's episode features an interview with Alice Fournier, but first let's hear a word from our sponsor. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cruising Altitude. This episode is brought to you by First Up, the company that's redefining the digital employee experience to put people first and lift companies up by connecting every worker everywhere with the information that helps them do their best work. First Up has helped over 40% of the Fortune 100 companies like Amazon, Ford, and Pfizer stay agile and keep transforming. Learn more at firstup.io. I am regional CIO, which means that I have responsibilities for all of our IT infrastructure. And that's as much our security and operations, everything in the back end of the business, as well as what we're referring to as our retail business, all of our point of sale technology, which enables our food services. And so I do that for North and South America. Let's zoom out and take a look at how Alice views the role of the CIO and business partnership in the flight plan. I think the role of the CIO has evolved tremendously. And when we think about what happened with the pandemic and the acceleration in digital transformation, everybody working from home, uh, the CIO now becomes both a strategic business partner to the functions, right? When you think about HR, um, legal, uh, you know, all of the functions that need to support business operations, we are strategic partners because all of these functions also had to transform digitally. So if you think about the role of HR, you know, even pre-pandemic and certainly go back 10 years ago, the needs were very different. Now the systems that power up a strong HR function are massive and uh, drive a lot of data are connected into ERP systems. So I have to really act as a solid business partners to keep these functions not just going, but to keep the functions best in class and really knowledgeable about what's out there in the market that can support their needs. And so that's one aspect of the business partnership. 
The other aspect of the business partnership becomes technology as a lever for growth. So most businesses right now have technology, not just as a component of the infrastructure, but technology as a way to drive business growth, as a way to engage with customers differently, to engage with consumers differently. And so that also is part of the CIO role. And so the two components become really, really strategic uh, with different partners in the business, but of course, with the entire, uh, the entire corporation, really. So what does Alice's company do? ISS Americas is all about facilities management. Yes, so ISS is a workplace experience and true workplace experience organization. And by that, what I mean is that we help clients who have invested in real estate assets for as long as they've been in existence, really manage those assets, as well as creating a great experience within these buildings and within that real estate. And so by workplace experience, what am I referring to? Um, So we have cleaning services, so janitorial services making sure that the office space is clean, it feels good, it smells good, all the important things. Um, we have technical services. These are people who are tasked with ensuring that all the technical pieces of a building work well. Um, so whether that's your HVAC, electricity, um, so a variety of services across that spectrum. And then we also have our food services, which are a big part of what we do in the U.S. So we're very, very lucky because we eat very well at ISS. And we uh, serve foods in all kinds of program. But if you think uh, office, I'll call them cafeterias, although frankly, that term has evolved quite a bit. It's much more than cafeterias. It's all kinds of different food programs. Uh, But fundamentally, we feed people's souls and bodies and make sure that they feel good and they are comfortable in their spaces uh, to help our clients really bring their employees back to the office. Um, So that's in essence what we do. Now, who we are, we are uh, a great big Danish organization. We have hundreds of thousands of people across the world. So we are all over the world and we are in multiple, multiple client sites. So we have teams who are, of course, corporate teams who sit in offices, but we also have the bulk of our workforce uh, working on client sites all over the world. ISS has a huge employee base. It takes intention to connect with and take care of so many employees. So, of course, when you're thinking about an organization that's hundreds of thousands of people, you're looking at very unique challenges when it comes to communication, communicating with your uh, employees, with your colleagues worldwide. Uh, But it is also critical to what we are focused on. And it's critical because we have this massive workforce all over the world, but because our workforce is also located very much on our client side. So it's a real challenge to be able to create a culture in a digital world in a hybrid world uh, with this large workforce. So one of the ways that we are focused on that, and we're actually developing tools both for ourselves and for our clients, we're developing this one app that we're calling My ISS. And My ISS is really the app for our colleagues, for our employees, our placemakers, uh, which is how we refer to our teams uh, at ISS. That's the tool that they can use to have access to all the things that really matter to them. So 
what does that mean? Uh, it means company news. Of course, when you are um, on a client site somewhere in the world, you might not have access to all the company news that you have access to when you're part of a either um, a online office or a physical office. So my ISS delivers company news. It also ensures that our employees have access to benefits, to information that they need to manage their employee life cycle. And that's where we really get to, again, create that culture, let them know we have uh, some carpool with different executives. Um, so that's where our employees, even if they're not physically sitting in an ISS office or physically in a virtual ISS office, that's where they really get to know the culture of the company. Now, for our clients, we also have similar tools that we are leveraging in some cases, developing in some other cases, and tools that help you communicate, again, have similar branding experience, because that becomes really important. Right? As we know, in, in a physical world, the brand, our clients' brands or our employer brands or our own as ISS was very much happening within four walls. But when you're thinking about employer value proposition, employer brand in a hybrid world, what you put out there from, from a digital standpoint, in terms of app, in terms of how to book rooms, these things become really, really meaningful and big contributor to how people recognize your brand as an employer. And again, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of employees across the world, what you present in digital tools become, in some cases, even more important than anything else in terms of creating that employer brand. And so for us, that's a huge focus uh, for ourselves for our clients. It's important to feel like you belong in your company. In addition to careful mentorship, Alice says that user-friendly digital tools can help people feel comfortable. Right on belonging, that's such an important component and it's it's what we believe in as a company to be a company where you can be you, you can be yourself, you can feel that you belong. I mean, these things are profoundly important, I think, in the employee experience. We've all been in times in our careers where we don't feel that way. And that really impacts the way we perform, the way we engage with each other, and the way we serve customers. And so that place of belonging is an important component for us. So again, digital tools, right, always should be aligned to what you want to create as an in-person experience, because that's really the role of the digital is to also create the same approach, the same belonging, but on our phones largely. And I would say for me, a, a solid digital experience that's app driven as a starting point, right? It starts on mobile, it starts on phones, and it has to be very, very simple. So we have Employees who have different levels of literacy and certainly of different levels of computer literacy, different languages. And so the key to, I believe, engaging meaningfully is to do so in a way that's simple, in a way that's very, very user friendly, where you can find quickly what you're looking for, where you don't have to scroll through too far. Right. We know all the things we love on digital and certainly a way that also uh, is inclusive. We have employees with different disabilities, so ensuring that our tools can be used by everyone, no matter your disability, your challenges. And that's also important to how we think about technology and digital tools. A good employee experience can create a good customer experience, but employees aren't our customers' only touch points. Customers also use digital tools to answer questions and complete transactions. Let's get into how ISS serves up a first-class experience. 
ISS starts with a simple, personalized digital experience. The great big digital disruptors have driven a lot of that mobile experience. And that's one way that I always think about what is a great experience. So as a starting point, it's simple. And the complexity has to reside in the back end, right? The complexity is for the engineers and it's for the software developers to really work through. But what we see, what we use, what we scroll through has got to be simple. Again, to me, it's simple. It's mobile first. It's inclusive. It must be. And certainly that it's data driven. And so the outcome of what you receive should be based on the data that you've driven from the app, the data that you've put into the app. And so that's you know, for me, an important component here where, again, we don't necessarily see that on the front end. So when you look at the app, you may not see that, but it's got to be able to replay, to personalize some of the data, some of the outputs based on what it knows about you. And that too is part of a great experience. Then they leverage data to make better recommendations to customers. Uh, Looking for adoption rates, that's a pretty simple but pretty critical metric. So number of people who use the information, how do they use it? Where do they click? And I think certainly um, one of the areas that I'm always very, very interested in, and that's not only on apps, but it's certainly across all kinds of digital media, is you know where, how often, how much do you leverage the tools? And so it's really the simplicity that gives you the best information oftentimes. And so that's the metric that we want to look at. Alice has a background in digital marketing, where personalization is core to the web experience that informs how she thinks about data. So on the current industry that I'm in, this is really at the beginning. But of course, there are areas where we are uh, starting to leverage that data more actively. So when you think about our food services, um, so do people, what do they eat? What do they love? What do they think about the food we serve? And so simple metrics, simple ways to understand feedback. Um, But that's certainly an area where we're starting to engage with the data quite significantly to make better choices for our customers. Similarly, on the cleaning side, are the services answering your need? Do they meet your needs? Are they? And so, again, very, very simple customer feedback data. But that's the kind of information that gives us the ability to improve our services. One of the areas that's actually very, very interesting right now, and that I would say across every client, every customer, we're having questions. It's about leveraging data to understand room optimization. Right. So now everyone is returning to the office, not everyone, but lots of clients are, or lots of businesses really are saying, okay, you know, we had full time in the office, then we had the pandemic. Everyone has created these lovely home offices. They're now looking to come back to physical offices or not, or we're mandating. So every organization is trying to think about this differently. But one of the core question then becomes, how are rooms used on the day-to-day? How many people? Are they booking them and not coming? Are they booking them and coming? Again, how many people are in a physical room? How many people in the building? How often? You know, are Mondays and Fridays truly days with fewer people? And then what do you do about it? So looking at the kind of data that's really rising in importance and in strategic importance for our clients, I would argue this is probably the most critical one is building usage, room usage, and then to be able to then make some big decisions based on that. 
An empowered team creates an empowered customer experience. Alice explains how strong employee engagement can lead to better customer engagement. So internally with our team, um, we have a central repository where we get to communicate, where we share information. And so we are quite engaged and we have our own internal app, as I mentioned earlier, which is how we engage with more and more of our people across the globe. And so for our teams, uh, we leverage digital activation to communicate primarily, uh, but also to make it as easy as possible to have access to all the systems and all the information that you need in one centralized place as much as possible. Uh, but these things are always works in progress and um, we're not perfect. We have our ways to go. That's an area that we're actively working on is making it consistently or continuously easier to give central areas where employees can come in and have access to everything that they need. So I would say for digital activation internally, that's how we think about it. Today, it's more common to work completely from your couch than from a cubicle in the office. Even in a hybrid work environment, the workplace can be unappealing. Alice says it's important to make the in-office experience a great one. Now, when we think about engaging with our clients, one of the areas that we're focused on is that workplace experience. So as we think about what do I do with this great real estate, how do I create a great experience and how do I create a great experience in a hybrid world? Because I might have employees who come to the office two days a week, three days a week. There's a lot of talk about earning the commute. How do we, um, as I assess, help our clients and help our customers earn the commute, if you would, and and ensure that employees come. And when they do come to the office, it is a great experience. So we have our our own tools that we're developing uh, that help employees book rooms, you know, look who's, who is there. Uh, That's always a great question, you know, for a very, very large organization. If I'm going to come into the office, who's around? Who's my group that I can that I can see that I don't see every day? And so these kinds of tools are really, really important in creating a great workplace experience and ensuring that employees come on site, they collaborate. So not just come to the office to sit in a cubicle and take Zoom calls, but rather come to the office and engage with my peers, engage with the people I've missed, you know, have these great moments of creativity around the water cooler. But if I don't know who's in the office, I can't do that. Um, and of course, then there's digital activation to order food. You know, this is a critical area with, of course, with the pandemic and even a little bit prior to that, the way we would order food had already changed. Now, post pandemic, we have expectation as far as how quickly, you know, can I order ahead? Can I not? And so we're working with customers to really reestablish some of these systems to uh, meet the needs of their employees. And again, with the really critical, important vision to create that employee experience that gets people back in the office because there's just nothing like the in-person. You know, we can do a lot of work. We can be productive from our home offices, but that moment in person in an office, there's just nothing like it. And technology should be the tool that helps create that. We're used to using technology to connect during remote work, but how do you know when it's time to get together in person? And when you do, how do you make that time valuable? Alice has a theory. That's the big question of, frankly, the next 10 years is what does that look like in an office 
to be able to engage, to have the real experience, to be with people and get to know them on a human level. We need that. We absolutely need that. And this comes from a tech person who's been doing this for a long time. But, you know, no technology will ever compensate or be the same thing as this one-on-one human. There's just nothing like it. And that's also part of the employee experience, right? How do we as organizations understand for now, you know, thinking from an ISS standpoint, we have a lot of employees who are in offices because we're creating workplace experience. So a lot of our employees are, but we also have a lot of employees who aren't, who work partly from home. And that's always a big question. How do we know when, when that moment has come that, you know, I see it with my team where, oh, sometimes I think, okay, we're ready to be together in person. Maybe a lot of, you know, difficult projects, difficult situations, or just you can sense it. As we think about great leadership too, great leadership in a hybrid world has those elements of understanding when do I need to nudge my team? When do I need them here? And there's tools that help you, right? So a couple of software have tools that help understand how people are connected or not. But there's also a human component. I think as a leader, you need to be really attuned to when people hit that point where you need to get them together. And that's part of, I think, of solid hybrid leadership. Alice's team also works to make virtual interactions feel more valuable. It's easy on technology to drift, keep your camera off, and, you know, answer an email on the side. Simple things, right? But these things are critical. So one of the rules on my teams is that cameras have to be on. When I'm talking to you, you know, we can see each other and we're all dispersed across the U.S., but one of my expectations is cameras on and, and we talk to each other. And sometimes it's simple things, right? Taking a few minutes before or after the meeting to have that chat, that coffee that um, you just can't have when you're on on these tools. And I would say the other element to that is once we are in person, how do we really manage this time that we have together? What do we do to leverage human interactions, to create spontaneity, to drive creativity, to feel connected? Because I think it's not only what you do when you are sitting in your home office and trying to connect with people and to stay engaged. It's almost as importantly the way as a leader, you manage that moment. And again, the workplace itself, right? Where are we going to meet? What kind of setting? What will drive a real connection and real interaction? And I do think that, the again, that the physical workplace supported by good digital tools helps to create that And it's critical. It's critical to people's well-being and, by extension, the company's performance. Now let's shift to another important tool in Alice's world, cybersecurity. In addition to making sure employees belong, they have to be safe at work, too. That's where security training comes in. Navigating cybersecurity is a challenge for industries across the world, right? This is probably the number one risk, any industry. And um, at ISS, and, and I would say fortunately or unfortunately, we had an incident a few years ago. And so we learned the impact, the really significant impact that a cybersecurity issue has on an organization. So it is at the top of how we think about technology. It's it's a continued investment 
investment for our organization. We have a 24-7 response team that's available. We have a a massive center um, that's all critical to our operations and and critical to anything, any software that we onboard. Um, so, So we are dedicating a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources to our cybersecurity operations. But of course, and it's much the case for your audience and for people who who are part of organizations um, that have these massive workforces, one of the biggest challenges with cybersecurity is that your most vulnerable area is always your people. So in many cases, there's a lot of social engineering going on. Uh, So hackers will try to contact people, pretend they're somebody else in order to get them to to divulge their password, their, their usernames. And so while you can put a lot of effort on the technical side, there's a real effort that needs to happen with frontliners, with your employees, and in training them, in in running all kinds of tests, you know, to be sure penetration tests, phishing emails, types of tests, to be sure that you are protected at all time. Because this is probably one of the most challenging areas for organization, for large organizations to manage when it comes to cybersecurity, not so much on the technical side, although it is, it is challenging and my uh, CISO, which is extraordinarily challenging, but really it's engaging with your people, engaging with frontliners, training them and bringing continued training because unfortunately hackers you know bad actors are evolving very very quickly and so you have to be on top of your game with your employees as well in ensuring that they too uh, know what's the latest challenges things to look out for and so it's probably an important key component of a, a solid workforce planning when it comes to large organizations is ensuring that everyone is trained up to date um, and managed dating very, very solid cybersecurity training. Alice has built a good team atmosphere and a strong cybersecurity practice. As a leader, she has to make sure that everything keeps going smoothly. She says the key to leading a well-oiled company is listening. From my standpoint, it's always about understanding what people need most. It's a lot of listening, to put it very simply, right? Where, you know, where is it clunky? Where did the systems not talk to each other? But it's more about understanding where are people, where do they feel that the experience is delivering? What's frustrating? Where do they not get the data they need? So we have people on the front lines who need data to make good decisions. They need to make quick decisions based on information that they need at the tip of their fingers. Um, There are times we deliver on that. There are times we don't. So for me, a lot of my role is to listen. Um, And I love, I absolutely love to go on sites with our operators and listen to them and really understand what is it that's missing? What is it that just makes them frustrated? And how do I, as a leader, set the way forward to, to improve these things, to enhance them? None of this is magic, right? They're big systems, just like any organization You have a lot of tech debt, Um, so lots of systems that need to be connected, a lot of data that needs to flow through. But once you do it right, then you deliver on the promise that digital can deliver on. But I would say getting ahead is really about listening, listening to our frontliners, listening to our customers, and listening to the market. You know, my background is probably half marketing and half technology, 
And my marketing background, and you know, I would say my default is to always listen, listen to the customer, look out for the trends, you know, what's ahead that I can bring into the organization that will create a better experience for people. What kind of, of innovation makes sense? Because not all innovation, you know, there's a lot of bells and whistles out there, you know, jazzy things that may not give meaningful innovation. And so for me, listening also means that I'm looking out into what's out there in the market that will make a meaningful impact. So getting ahead is really just about listening, understanding, and looking out for what's ahead in the world. Alice also listens to her employees' interests. She says it's important to promote education, new ideas, and learning opportunities. You know, when you think about our employee value proposition, it's a place to be you, it's a place to be yourself. And it's about, for us, delivering opportunities to very diverse groups of people. It's always very, very important. And especially in the IT world, learning at speed is critical, right? When I think about hiring and bringing new team members on, the things that I'm most looking for are um, the ability to learn, right? The understanding that what you're doing now in two years will probably look quite different. And in 10 years, you look back and you won't believe, you know, how different it was 10 years ago. The pace of change in technology is fantastic. So what I love most is to look at how we can provide opportunities within the organizations to people who may not have them outside of the organization. And I'll tell you one, but it's in the works. Um, there's a, a young woman who actually works in one of our client customer facilities, and she is a host, so she provides guidance when you arrive in the building. Uh, wonderful. She reached out through our HR group saying that she was really interested in technology and wanting to learn more, and particularly in cyber. And Thankfully, the lady who talked with her knew me uh, and brought her up to my attention and said, hey, you know, I, I have this young person who's really interested in IT, but there's um, fewer women in IT. And, and so it's a little bit harder to have role models. And she brought her up to me and connected us. And I've been, you know, following her um, in her learning of technology and really her ability or her desire to learn more in this space. And for me, when I see people who want to learn, who might not have had access to an education or a typical education that would lead to some computer science work or to an IT uh, space, but who are interested, who want to learn, it just makes me so excited. And so um, so she's in touch with our you know, group in, in uh, Copenhagen and in Warsaw. And, and so the fact that uh, we can help her continue her learning journey, we can support her in that. And hopefully one day she can join the team as she you know, continues her learning. I just absolutely love um, to help promote these kinds of opportunities for people who might not have them outside of the organization. And that's the benefit of having all these personas. Uh, we also have just exceptional program, women in culinary. So helping women be successful in the culinary world, that's a, just a fantastic program. And when you look at the group of folks uh, who, again, might not have these opportunities outside of the business, I mean, to me, it just 
it drives my day. It, it's part of the purpose why why we join the organization and having this wide range of people. It's just an exceptional way to provide opportunities, and I'm always very very inspired when we see that uh, we have. Um, internal awards, celebration of people who do great things. And, you know, the kinds of service-oriented mindset that we see across the business uh, is just incredibly inspiring. And in times that were not easy, lots of challenges, and yet people continue to celebrate each other and provide opportunities. Celebrating opportunities and success is important, but how do we work through challenging times together? Alice has some advice on leading through difficult circumstances. So leading through change is what I've done for the bulk of my career. Digital transformation has always been about driving change. Now, of course, COVID is next level challenge, but other big events have happened um, as well, of course, that we had to lead through. But I think as a starting point, any change, and especially when you're looking at something massive or big emotional moment, devastating moments, the first and most important thing in my view, and it sounds simple, but boy, it isn't, is just about communicating, right? People need to know that leaders are there, that leaders are really actively engaged in understanding how do we go forward. In my previous role, you know, we had a group that would get together weekly uh, during COVID to talk with each other, to understand how are people doing? Is there anyone that we need to be aware of who needs a special support? Uh, what's our next step? So from my standpoint, it's communication. It's also humanity and COVID taught us, right? We're all humans with our own challenges, with our own families and dogs and, you know, people that we're helping. I mean, families can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And so I think the humanity that we learned from each other and within COVID is critical to recognizing that we are in these great big corporations because we value their purpose. We want to help um, support what they stand for. We want, in our case, to create these great workplace experiences. But we're all humans with holistic personas and challenges. So what I think is important right, is that humanity that we learned during COVID. How do we keep it? How do we bring that to the office, the full person? And that's not simple because it's easy to default back to our you know other mode um, but but I think that's really really important is to understand how yeah how do we keep this humanity and I think the last piece I would say as it relates to leading through change is again taking time to listen right change is difficult uh, drastic change when there's a lot of emotion such as covid increasingly difficult. And so it's communicating, but it's really a two-way communication where I can profoundly listen to what people need to be well, to perform, to be successful in different environments. And that's the kinds of skills that I bring to change as well. Uh, new systems require a lot of listening. Serving employees comes back to serve the company in a cycle, but sometimes things can still get a little bumpy. Alice shares some wisdom she's gained from when things get rough in turbulence. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. We are now safely here. 
Yes. So when I think about a poor digital experience and poor employee experience that's digital, there are a couple of elements, I think, that drive a really, really bad digital employee experience. And and some of those, um, I, I think, oftentimes come from a lot of investments that have been made in digital transformation. So organizations, you know, any industry really invested in digital, especially the last 10 years. You know, there was this sentiment we needed to accelerate technology investments. And in many cases, the outcome of that is a lot of different systems that all work in silos. And the the result of these individual systems means a lot of time spent having to go from one system to the other, losing productivity. People get really frustrated because you don't have that one-stop shop that we've actually become used to on our phones. Um, So if you think about what's driving a great digital experience, forget about even the employee side, but a great digital experience is often driven by these fantastic apps, right? The apps we use the most on our phones. But in many cases, when we think about our workplace experience as an employee, it's not that same uh, seamless user experience. And so poor digital employee experience oftentimes means lost productivity. Uh, You're spending too much time going from one platform to another, trying to find information, but it's also a big loss of access to data. So oftentimes these these systems, and if you think about HR type of systems, there's so many of them that do so many different things, you know, from, from recruiting to onboarding to hiring to payroll. And when these things aren't connected, um, oftentimes it means that data is hard to come by. You know, people have a hard time understanding an employee life cycle. So, so for me, a poor employee digital experience really means oftentimes just different systems, siloed systems, frustration, lack of productivity. Um, But there's also another element that that I like to think about and that I'm seeing so much great tech um, evolving, and that's around the the recruitment and how do you remove bias in recruitment. Um, So one of the tools that we leverage that I really uh, am quite excited about is a tool that enables the recruiting portion of our employee experience, because you're not, at that point, you're not yet an employee, but you become part part of the, you know, the experience. And this tool leverages AI to remove bias. And so in my view, that too contributes to good employee experiences when you can, uh, in as much as possible, really remove the human bias by using good technology tools. So, um, so I think that technology is a little bit the source and the solves for a, a poor employee experience once that's digital. When facing a hurdle as big as system inequities, Alice says she starts with hiring, then she commits to her values. It starts with, you know, looking at uh, skills and competencies uh, across a varied number of backgrounds. I think it's about honoring neurodiversity. Again, another big topic for me. Um, I was in education for many years and I've seen, you know, different learners. Uh, Some are introverts, some are extrovert. How do you uh, recognize and honor all of all of the different learners? And actually, again, creating a place to become what you want to become. And I think the ultimate, right, is to create a purpose that everyone can really uh, look towards and all of these things. So, so for me, interestingly, actually, it's one of the reasons why I joined ISS because that was front and center. 
Uh, there are very clear commitments on gender balance, um, even sustainability, because that plays, right? It's not, it's people equity, but it's also how do you contribute to the planet? You know, how do you contribute to sustainability meaningfully? So to me, areas that really drew me to this role and to ISS as an organization were around these big commitments. So I think as leaders, we have as a starting point, a choice to make. And, and if you look at, at millennials and centennials, you know, they're making choices based on their values. So as a leader, I want to contribute to an organization where my values align. And to me, that's where it begins, right? It's honoring who you are and who you want to be as a leader. And it's making choices that are aligned. Now, I, I've worked for a lot of companies that were aligned to my purpose. But when this opportunity came, I thought, wow, these are you know big commitments on gender balance, on sustainability. And all of these things are part of how you can make a contribution. And there's a lot of people working really, really hard to create that global community of belonging. And all of these things, for me, were ways that, that contributed to how I want to be a leader who supports you know, working towards a, a more equitable world. It truly was, and, and you know, I know we got into this conversation on a different tension, but it was part of how I made the choices. So I think it's, it's part of it, right, as a leader, um, it's choosing where you want to go make an impact and finding organizations that that will be aligned from a values and purpose perspective. And then, you know, joining and you, you end up joining people who are very like-minded. You know, that's where you can feel that you make an impact. Leaders aren't just bosses. They're teachers and coaches. They can make an impact by working with their people's strengths and increasing visibility for all team members. I had a, a prior boss who always said, we are here as leaders to help people get an A and not to grade their paper. And I absolutely love that. And I think that's the mindset that you must put yourself in order to provide opportunities. And so for, for diverse groups of people and you know different learners, introvert, extroverts, look at diversity, again, the, the broad scope of diversity. So from my standpoint, if I put myself in the mindset of I'm going to help you get an A, my role then as a leader becomes to clarify what does an A look like? That's for me to do as a leader. So this is what an A look like. And now based on your strength, based on how I'm meeting you as a person, I can help you get that A. It's not for me. I'm not going to grade your paper and say you did poorly or you did well. I'm going to, much like a coach, look at your strength and work with your strength to really help develop you to that A. And so for me, that is the mindset that I like to think about. And I would say as a leader, then it becomes on us to leverage different tools. And so if we go back to digital and to technology and to workplaces, when I'm in a meeting with different people, they might need different ways of engaging. Some of us are very verbal and we like to you know, raise our physical hand or raise our virtual hand, but different people might like to do that differently. You know? And so for me as a leader, how do I get to engage people in a, ways, in a way that gets visibility across all of my team members? It may be that in some cases I need to call somebody out on the chat 
because I know that they're not really going to want to, you know, interject in the meeting. And it may be that for some people, you know, I'll throw a GIF out there. So different ways of engaging with different people, I think is a way that you begin to provide growth opportunities because these growth opportunities now don't have to be linear, uh, right? I have a, a very, very non-linear background as I think many people in tech do. And the benefit of a non-linear background is that it expands your view, it expands your understanding uh, of business challenges, of new technologies. And so, so I think putting yourself in that mindset enables you to work with people's strength um, and to really focus on that, to understand what kind of growth opportunities that may be non-linear, but yet very, very interesting. That's primarily how I think we can do that. Again, thinking about the workplace itself, even the physical workplace has to be thought out to create these experiences as well that enable different people to contribute differently because it's only if we as leaders set the right experience that we're going to get to know our people well and in a more holistic way and then be able to provide growth based on their individual strengths. We're reaching the end of our time with Alice. So what's her best piece of advice for tech leaders? Best advice, right? It's technology changes. It changes quickly. If you are a leader in technology and as ISS, we are going to become the tech leader in our industry. And to do that, you must really understand the pace of change, uh, be really, really discerning around what's meaningful change, what's meaningful innovation, and what isn't. I think these are important characteristics of a solid tech leader. So it's understanding innovation that's meaningful to your industry. So I would say that's a, an important component. The other portion is to be aware of your impact. As leaders, right, we sometimes forget our impact, but when we walk in the room, whether it's the virtual room or a physical room, we create the workplace experience as leaders. And so the energy that I bring in the room is the energy that others will receive. And as leaders, especially for people who begin their leadership journey, we forget that. We forget the impact that we bring to the room, again, virtual or physical. But I would say from a leadership perspective, that's probably the area that I would give as far as advice because we're quick to forget that. And it's a really important piece to be aware of your impact, be aware of your word, your energy, and the way you engage with others will really have an impact on their day and their ability to feel validated. And so ensuring that we stay cognizant of that as leaders is, is critical to um, successful employee experience. Leaders have an important role to play in making a team not only successful, but cared for. When companies listen to employees, foster growth at all levels, and pay attention to equity, their workforce becomes that much stronger. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cruising Altitude. This episode is brought to you by First Up, the company that is redefining the digital employee experience to put people first and lift companies up by connecting every worker everywhere with the information that helps them do their best work. First Up has helped over 40% of the Fortune 100 companies like Amazon, AB Bev, Ford, and Pfizer stay agile and keep transforming. Learn more at firstup.io.